When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Friday, and Pitching Ninja is joining me to talk about his top nastiest pitches of the week. Always love when he comes on. And some big news. Some rule changes are coming to baseball in 2023. That is just next year. We're going to talk about that, and Pitching Ninja's joining me, and it's happening right now. Let's get to it. the show already some big things are coming to major league baseball this show is going to be a lot of fun i'm going to go all over all those things briefly before we get into pitching ninja who's always a blast to have on his top nastiest pitches of the week uh we got some fun stuff coming at you today uh but first up 2023 major league baseball rule changes are coming they were voted in as of today larger bases being one, a restriction of the shift being another, and the pitch clock being the third thing. So I want to talk about those, give my opinion on these, but first up is larger bases. The bases will now be 18 square inches rather than the current 15 square inches. Now, this one's not a huge deal. Here's what that changes. Obviously, bigger bases mean a slight difference in the width and the distance of the bases. So home to first, obviously, they will be a smidge closer. First base to second base, obviously, a smidge closer. So those bang-bang plays, that will make a bit of a difference. Also, safety. This is a safety thing. This will help, you know, nobody stepping on ankles at first base. Sliding into bases won't be as, you know, huge collisions. Um, And another big thing here, replay has affected this big time. Replay was never intended to check, okay, let's say a runner's diving into second base. He beats the throw, but as he's sliding on top of the base, his left pointer finger popped off of the base for a millisecond while no other body part was on. All right, you're out. That wasn't intended to be replay. This will help that as well. The bigger base, guys will be able to hold on to the base a little bit better. Um, So this one's fine. I'm all for this. Bigger bases. Yes, let's do it. Another one, a restriction of the shift. Important thing here, restriction. This isn't a banning of the shift. The shift isn't banned. It's not going to be you have to stand in the exact spot that you're supposed to be or else. This is a restriction. Now, some of the rules here get a little tricky. So listen close. (laughs) Listen up right now. Um, The rules state four infielders must have their feet on the dirt at all time, on the outer boundary. They have to be within the outer boundary right in front of the outfield before the pitch is released. 
Now, when the pitcher releases the ball, a minimum of four players must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary, and two fielders have to be entirely on either side of the base. Now, every team has to designate two infielders on each side of second base who may not switch sides during the game unless there's a substitution of one of those players. So you have to be in front of the outfield grass. You have to have two fielders on each side of the base, and you cannot at any point in the game have one fielder switch over to the other side unless there is a substitution made. So you can have two fielders standing right next to each other if you want. I don't know why you would do that, but theoretically, as long as they're on the left side or the right side of second base, you could have them holding hands if you want but they have to be two each on each side of the second base bag. The penalty for a violation is a ball and a dead ball. The ball is dead. So if the pitch is released and that rule is being broken, it's immediately a ball and the ball is dead. Now, this is also an interesting little caveat here, and I don't think a ton of people know this, but a dead ball is similar to a dead ball when there is a bulk. Now, in professional baseball and college, I was had this drilled into me. If there's ever a balk called, oftentimes the pitcher continues to throw. Sometimes they'll just hold the ball or not throw it, or the balk comes before they lift their leg. If there is a balk called and the pitch is thrown, it's a dead ball, but the batter can swing. And if the outcome is good, they can keep the outcome. Let's say it hits a home run. The home run counts. Let's say it's a single. You can run, and the outcome will count. Let's say you hit a line drive to the shortstop, and it's an out. Nope, you don't have to take it. It's a dead ball redo. Same sort of thing here with this uh, violation of the rule. If there's a violation, it's a dead ball, meaning the batter can swing and accept the outcome if he wants. If not, it's a ball, dead ball, and there is a ball awarded to the batter or given to the count, however you want to word it. Um, but umpires have the discretion to penalize the fielding team with a ball if the umpire detects players attempting to circumvent the rules. Teams can also challenge whether a team complied with the shift. This one is a big, big deal. The shift over the last decade has become a very prominent part of Major League Baseball. Now, look, it's a big change. I'm all for trying it. You know, nobody's saying this is going to be implemented and forever and ever this is going to be part of the game of baseball. Why not try it? Um, baseball needs to continue to evolve with the times. I think uh, for a while, baseball was the one sport that seems like it's stuck in its ways and there aren't a lot of changes. This is a change and it's a big one. Players are going to be on their certain side of the field. What it's going to do, it's going to increase. Uh, it's going to increase offensive production. You're not going to have as much as the three true outcomes, walk out, strike, home run. Guys will be more willing to hit the ball on the ground. Uh, you'll see more singles. You'll see more doubles. Um, and that's all good for the game. You'll also see fielders be able to show their range. You know, for a while it was, okay, if the ball isn't hit right at me in the shift, I'm not even going to move because there's another guy standing right behind me to my left, about 10 feet behind me. That'll make the play. This will put guys back in their normal positions, about their normal positions, and they'll be able to show off their range, show off their arm, all of that good stuff. It is a big change, um, but I'm all for it. I'm for trying it, and whatever happens, happens, but why not give it a try?
Lastly, pitch clock. A pitch clock is coming to Major League Baseball. In between batters, there is a 30-second clock, except for the final out of the inning. The timer for inning breaks and pitching changes is 2 minutes and 15 seconds. The catcher must be in the catcher's box with 9 seconds left on the timer. And the hitter must have both feet set in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher, meaning he has his eyes on the pitcher and can quickly take a hitting stance within 8 seconds. Pitchers who violate the clock are charged with an automatic ball. The catcher violating the clock is also they are charged with the ball and a batter violating the rules will be charged with an automatic strike. Also, a new update here. Mound visits have a 30-second clock starting when the manager or coach leaves the dugout or whenever the defensive player leaves their position. If a manager joined a mound visit in progress, the timer resets if there are at least 20 seconds left in the timer. This is a big one because for a lot of managers, it takes them 45 seconds to even get out to the mound. So we're going to see a lot of managers sprinting out to the mound so that they have some time to talk to their pitcher. The pitch timer cannot be reviewed on replay. couple things here. One really sticks out to me. The batter must be alert and ready in the box. Hearing that makes me twinge a little bit because I was in the minor leagues when this was first attempted, when this rule first came down, and we had all heard, okay, there's going to be a pitch clock. Uh, the beginning of the season, it's not going to be strictly enforced, but just know, and so you can start figuring it out. The first day, the first day, that the pitch clock was officially in play and enforced. I was made an example out of. We were playing in Clearwater against the Phillies high A team. I come up second and third, two outs. I believe it was a full count, either a full count or a 2-2 count. I get in the box. I have my feet set. I'm wagging my bat as I normally do. Eyes locked in on the pitcher. All of a sudden, the pitcher wasn't set yet. All of a sudden, umpire comes out from behind the plate. Time, time, you're out, pointing at me. I'm like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. I'm just alert and ready like you wanted me to. Turns out he said I wasn't alert and ready in the box, which I have a video of this. Guess what I was? I was alert and ready, staring right at the pitcher. This was sent off to minor league baseball to review. It was sent to major league baseball to review, and it was told that, hey, this is quite the violation. This can't be happening. But guess what? Still counted as a strikeout for my career, but who cares, right? That umpire certainly didn't. I remember his name. It was Justin. I remember his name because anybody named Justin is on my shit list. Can't have them around. Anybody with that name, you know, watch out. Got to watch out for them. But, yeah, what, a, what an example I was made out of. The pitch clock is coming. Larger bases are coming. And a restriction of the shift is coming as well. Those are the rules. And one of them really involves pitchers, and I will be able to ask him here in just a second because now that I have vented a little bit about the alert and ready in the box, um, oh, I, I will also say I think the pitch clock will be uh, – It's a, that's another big change. That's a, pitchers like to take their time, and so do batters. This will speed up the game, um, but I'm excited to hear what Pitching Ninja has to say about it. I'm fine with these rules. Uh, it doesn't mean they're implemented forever, but baseball needs to keep up with the times and uh, new people watching the game. We need to keep this uh, upbeat, fast, action, and this will certainly create more action 
in the game of baseball. If it works, great. If it doesn't, get rid of it. That's why I'm for it. I'm for at least trying. So I'm excited. I'm going to talk to Pitching Ninja about the pitch clock as well as his nastiest pitches of the week. So without further ado, let's welcome in my good friend, Rob, a.k.a. Pitching Ninja. All right, and I am pumped to welcome back in friend of the pod, uh, recurring segment, always happy to have him on, Pitching Ninja. Rob is back on. Rob, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. You've got legend and all that stuff. I mean, come on, play it up a little bit, right? Well, you know, last time I went legend, um, you know, every, every week I do something a little different, and this one was friend of the pod, and I'm sorry that you don't feel like being a friend of the pod is enough. I am you know? absolutely a friend <laughs> of the pod. I'm as big a friend of the pod as can possibly be. I, I agree. Uh, so I'm always pumped to have you on every week and talk about uh, some of your nastiest pitches of the week. But uh, before we get into that, Rob, I was just talking about some of the New rule changes that were announced and getting voted in today, uh, the larger bases, pitch clock, and a ban of the shift, but it's not completely banned. It's just a little modification of the shift. Um, But one really affects pitchers and I think will make a big difference in the game, and that is the pitch clock being implemented. What are your thoughts there? You know, a couple of things. Like, obviously, anything that moves the game forward quicker, I'm cool with. I mean, you want to keep fans engaged and the game moving. You know, but a lot of times I'm seeing hitters slowing the game down a lot. I think that there may be some unintended consequences, obviously, injuries. I mean, I don't think people think of it this way, but the slower a pitcher moves, a lot of time they're just recovering in between pitches. And, you know, like with anything else where you're doing reps of it, if you go into another rep before you fully recovered, it may hurt you. And, and I think there's maybe unintended consequences. I don't know. Velo may go down a little bit, which I mean, I think fans love seeing Velo. I think it's a fun part of the game. So I don't know. I think it's a mixed bag. I do think that some pitchers are, you know, work really slow. Most work at a pretty good pace. And I think the, the pitch comm system has sped up the game already. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to watch. I, I will say this, and you touched on it briefly. The word, the the what we're calling this here is a pitch clock, which leads people to believe this is for pitchers. But I can I can speak firsthand to this. There are many batters that take their sweet sweet time getting into the box between every pitch. So I think this is equally for pitchers. And I agree, most of most pitchers are, are not bad about it. It's those relievers at the back end of a game that are taking like 60 seconds between a pitch. Really slows it down. Batters slow it down. So uh, I definitely think this will speed the game up. But, you know, I've never been on the bandwagon of like speed baseball up. It's like, I love this game. I'll, I'll watch it for as long as, as long as I need to, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. I think for hardcore fans, it's not a big deal. Um, for fans that are just getting into it, they may find the pace a little a little slow. If it helps, like if it helps grow the game, I'm totally cool with it. Mm-hmm. But don't blame the pitchers. Come on, pitchers are <laughs> pitchers are trying their best. Hey, I I was one of each in college. I I was I was a two way, uh, so I, I did both. I, I get I get it from both sides here. But um, so but you were on. 
to talk pitching, my friend. It is what you do. It is what you do well. And uh, you make some incredible videos. And I hope that compliment is enough since my intro for you wasn't enough today. <laughs> Your intro uh, was great. <laughs> I was just giving you crap. So let's get started with your top pitches of the week. Um, your first up this week was, uh, well, I, I will let you take it away. It is Greg Weiser. Tell me all about this pitch. Yeah, this thing like broke Twitter when it when I tweeted it. Um, it is a wicked 21-inch uh, breaking slider. I mean, you see Diaz run, going out of the way of it. That kind of makes the pitch. The reaction is fantastic. But that is a nasty pitch on its own. I mean, you think you're going to wear it and it ends up in the middle. It's almost middle-middle, actually, where he catches it. Can you explain real quick? Because I know you and I talk a lot about um, movement, how much a pitch is moving, 21 inches of break. Um, can you explain maybe the average and where 21 inches ranks amongst a normal slider? Well, 20, it, a lot of it depends on how fast the pitch is moving too. So this was a relatively, I think it's an 80 mile an hour slider. It's decent. It's moving decent. The slower amount of a slower moving slider tends to, can move a little bit more. It has more time to, yeah. to break. Um, this is definitely an above average slider the way it's measured. I think a lot of people get confused at how it's measured too. Um, because I hear like, Oh, that didn't really move that far. It's all done via optical systems and Hawkeye measures it. And it's based on the trajectory of the way the pitch was going and how much it broke off of that trajectory. Not necessarily like you may not see a ton of movement, but that pitch out of hand is headed kind of right, basically at Diaz there. It ends up in the middle of the zone. So this next pitch might be a good example of that. And uh, I'm a big fan of this guy. You are as well. Number two on your nastiest pitches of the week, in no particular order, Shohei Otani. Yeah, like I just think this is incredible. And he's he deserves all the credit in the world for coming up, introducing a 100-mile-an-hour sinker in the middle of the season. Like, that's how talented this dude is. He's just like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I threw a sinker that was 100 miles an hour and really nasty? Y'all, let me try this. And it does. Like, look at this pitch. That's a nasty sinker. So my, my question for you here is, and I had John Smoltz on the show on Wednesday. Now, John Smoltz, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You were just a tick behind him when it comes to greatest pitchers of all time. But... You know plenty about pitching. You know pitching history. You know a lot of pitchers. You know what they've done. Have you seen in recent memory anything like this? Have you seen a pitcher create something in the middle of the year, late in the season, and start throwing it with this amount of effectiveness as what Shohei Otani has done? You know, not off the top of my head, at least totally out of the blue throwing it. And it just goes more to seeing – you know, kind of what an alien he is. I know folks have worked on pitches in spring training, maybe put it in there, but he was flat out asked whether he threw a sinker um, in that time in that Time Magazine interview. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I don't have one. And then he's like, he sees the Clay <laughs> Holmes pitch and he's, you know, Clay Holmes throws a hundred mile an hour sinker at him. He has that face like, hmm, interesting. Let me file that away. Let me throw it the next time I pitch. That's freaking incredible. So this video that you made was awesome. And I think a lot of people and probably everybody else in the world, when when they think that, when they see that pitch, Shohei Otani makes that face. 
And probably everybody in the world is thinking, oh my God, that was 100 miles an hour. That was disgusting. And that's what that face is for. Shohei Otani's face is, hmm, I, I should throw that. <laughs> yeah. I, it's the beauty of being a pitcher and a hitter. Like, I think this is, I think there's a big value in it because, I mean, you know that as, as being on both sides of the ball, you know how hard it is to hit. And you're saying, like, hey, maybe I can borrow that. That like kind of like the way that pitch moves. <laughs> Unbelievable. A true unicorn you have at number two. Next up, number three, we have Jacob deGrom. Talk about a unicorn. I mean, I get amazed and, you know, I fanboy over DeGrom because he deserves it. He's the best pitcher, arguably, that I've ever seen. I mean, you may put Pete Pedro in that level. But this is these are three consecutive uh, 98, 99-mile-an-hour and then 100-mile-an-hour glove-side fastballs. He's a robot. Like, the dude throws glove-side fastballs like he owns them. He went he's 98, 99, 100. That's what it was. <laughs> He did like, he's just like making stuff up. It's like a little game of darts with him. Um, except with hundred mile an hour pitches. Like I think most people understand what they're seeing is ridiculous out of him looking at the stats, but visually this shows you what a marksman he is. Like it's, it's mind blowing. So you, you've been, you know, up close and personal. You see this, you watch him pitch all the time. You post his videos. So you can attest to similar sort of sentiment what Mookie Betts said of Jacob DeGrom the other day. Of this guy could be the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at his stats. His whip is 0.55, is it? <laughs> like, like that's not a real number. You can't do that. Mm -mm. I mean, shoot, that's it, it's 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 nuts. And I just wish he was healthy for an entire season so we can see it over and over again but you should never take for granted how good this guy is he's pitching against the best in the world and making them look like they're little leaguers I agree and that's what you know last year I think we just kind of write off the year last year for him because he got hurt uh, but he pitched a good chunk of that year and he was on pace and obviously he didn't make it halfway through the year but he was on pace to have the greatest season of all time and break records that Bob Gibson has, which was the year that the mound was lowered because of him. Jacob deGrom was doing Bob Gibson things last year, and I think it's easy to forget. You know, this isn't just a, he's back, and oh, look, he's Jacob deGrom. No, what we're watching is when this guy is healthy, the most dominant pitcher, one of the most dominant easily that we have ever seen, and it's a mixture of velocity, uh, 100 miles an hour, 96 mile an hour sliders, and command with that, like we showed and you showed in your video that you put on Twitter of, yeah, 98, 99, 100, but look where it is. This guy is like painting the Mona Lisa with his fastball. You, you make a 100% great <laughs> point, and I think we shouldn't ever forget this. Like, there may be other Cy Young Award winners. They can, you know, whoever wins a Cy Young, awesome, great year. But let's not forget who the most dominant pitcher in baseball is. And if you, if you pulled all the pitchers, they'd agree. Like, there's nobody that would argue that DeGrom is not the most dominant pitcher in the world. And this is the stuff that's, you know, there are plenty of guys that throw 100. There's nobody with that type of command and 95, 96 mile an hour sliders and now working in change-ups and curveballs. 
Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. Um, <laughs> next up on your list, number four, you have Felix Bautista. Yeah, I am a huge fan of his um, nickname, The Mountain. I did not come up with that nickname, but he is just a mountain, and he has over and over again the most wicked splitter you'll ever see, and this is just one of them. I think he's got like a 55% whiff rate on his splitter. It's not hittable. He throws 100, 101, 102, and then has that thing drop off the face of the earth. Like, uh, forget it. The the Orioles, you know, you don't want to say that they, they didn't miss a beat, but they get rid of an all-star closer, and this story of Felix Bautista, he was in A-ball last year. A-ball. And now he's at the big leagues being featured by Pitching Ninja, the pinnacle. He has made it. He has made it and is featured by you. And that splitter is just disgusting. Good choice there. Next up on your list, the guy that is in the midst of perhaps he's two outs away from breaking the all-time Diamondbacks scoreless inning streak and eighth longest streak all time, Zach Gallon. What pitch of his do you have on this week? This is a changeup, and it's mostly for this reaction. I mean, like, you get a guy to fall down on your changeup and count it out by ninja referee Steve Willis. This is sick. I love the fact that Gallon is probably the most underrated ace out there. I mean, what's his ERA? Like 2-4 and he's quietly doing this with a quiet consecutive scoreless streak. Um, fellow North Carolina grad, he gets credit for that. But nasty pitch and nasty reaction, too. I, I, I'm with you. I feel I, – I don't know if it's just me, but now apparently it's not. I feel like this stretch that he is on, the eighth longest scoreless inning stretch of all time, is going a little under the radar, no? I totally agree. Like. Yeah. I mean, just think of throwing shutout after shutout after shutout. Like, everybody should be watching this stuff. Yeah. But no. Um, I hope they do now. Like, Gallon deserves his props. He's been good for years, and he just he just constantly flies under radar. I don't know that he really cares about it. I think he's just a, a workman-type guy that does his job really well. But if he was pitching in a bigger market, maybe, I think he'd be – everybody would be on him. Yeah, you know, I have, um, I agree. He goes a little under the radar out there. The Diamondbacks probably have something to do with that. Not a huge market, not a great team of late. Although this year, the once they had that losing streak, been good. They, they've yeah, been sneaky yeah. good. Um, yeah. But I am often asked the toughest pitchers that I faced in my professional career, and amongst the the likes of you know Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty. Um, uh, there's so many big league all-stars that I've faced, but I, without a doubt, always say Zach Gallen is one of the nastiest guys that I ever faced. And I faced him in Batavia. The Batavia muck dogs is where I ran into Zach Gallen and just the sinker slider changeup combo is just disgusting. So, uh, and that changeup, that changeup was nasty this week. So was it the movement that got you, the, his repeating mechanics? Was it deception? Like, what did you feel hitting against him? So for me, uh, I I often struggled with – velocity was never uh, a problem for me. I, um, you know, Alex Reyes was on that – I faced Alex Reyes a bunch, and the scouting report on him was sits 99 to 102, which was as a starter. 
And it's always funny walking into a clubhouse and seeing a scouting report, and it says fastball sits 99-102. I always, I was, I always hit pretty well off of him. Velo straight was never my problem. It was, it was low to mid 90s with this, uh, with with sink, with run, uh, paired with a 90 mile an hour slider the other way, uh, and he had that. And I, I don't know if he was calling it like a cutter or a slider at the time. But he was just at the time sinker, slider, cutter, and uh, it was just so dominant. I remember it like it was yesterday. So uh, it's good to see him up at the big leagues because I've been saying for years that he was probably my toughest guy to face. And now that he's got the eighth longest streak of all time, I feel a lot better about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the, th- the thing I love about him, and I've interviewed him, um, is he is constantly tinkering. He did have a, you know, he's had a slider that was a cutter, cutterish, And he said, you know, I want to throw a true cutter. I want to do like, he's constantly looking at what other people do learning. He's a true professional pitcher. And I just wish more folks would watch him because he, he is another one of those guys. That's an artist doesn't throw ridiculously hard, but throws hard enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he's really, really with threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, moving on next up. This is kind of an honorable mention here, but an awesome story. Hunter Brown. What do you got on Hunter Brown? Yeah, I just decided to throw this in there because of the Justin connection here. He basically looked up to your brother. He's It's his idol. And then I decided to match up their mechanics side by side. And lo and behold, they kind of look the same, <laughs> don't they? I no mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. And, you know, playing on the same team, I thought it was fantastic, too, watching Hunter deal and Justin get behind him and yeah. get excited when he was Kane folks. Like he's just passing the game down to the next generation loves it. And Brown was Brown was good. He was filthy. Six innings, three hits, five strikeouts, um, nastiness. And, and, and it is cool. So I actually spoke about that on an earlier episode this week, your video, the side by side is so cool. And the reason I think this is so cool is because Hunter Brown has been vocal. He's a Michigan guy, so he idolized my brother. That was his idol. And to be able to make your MLB debut in front of him as a teammate, as your idol, is just so cool. And then to see that side by side. I mean, I thought it was cool. My brother idolized Nolan Ryan. That's who his idol was. And for him to get traded to the Astros and then be able to pitch with Nolan Ryan in the front row was cool. Hunter Brown gets to make his debut as a teammate with his idol. And uh, that's just, I mean, that's baseball. That's a really, really cool story, I think. I, I loved it. And I, I actually was very, very excited watching him throw because he did not look like a guy making his debut. He had, like, poise. He, I can tell that he's had some really, really good influences in his, in his game. So kudos to, I mean, I'm sure Justin had a lot to do with it. But dude's got really good makeup and really good stuff. I Astros are just reloading. Yep. Well, Rob, this has been a lot of fun. As always, my friend, I will uh, talk to you next week, hopefully. But before you go, you know, I was thinking 
as I was coming into studio today, I, I often think like, okay, what shirt should I wear? And when I bring on players, I like to wear a, a shirt associated with either them or the team. And I was thinking, I can't believe that I don't have any Pitching Ninja apparel. I need some. We need to make a swap. Flipping Bats apparel for some Pitching Ninja apparel. How's that? I know a guy who can get you. <laughs> I, I know a guy as well, but sometimes, it, yeah, I, I know a guy. We'll, we'll figure out how to get you something, and hopefully I can get something. I will definitely get you something. And, and in the near future, when you come on, I'll be rocking your gear, my friend. So thank you awesome, for joining man. me. As usual, this one has been a lot of fun. Awesome, dude. Thank you again. All right, thanks again to Pitching Ninja for joining me. Always a fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy those because he will be coming on more and more talking about his top nastiest pitches of the week. If you don't follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter, make sure you do it because you're really missing out. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. If you also don't follow on social media, Flippin' Bats Pod, you're missing out. Follow us on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of those. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. Hit that subscribe button, Flippin' Bats Pod with Ben Verlander. This one has been an absolute blast. This Friday episode has been a lot of fun. I hope you all have a great weekend. I will see you next week. But until next time, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.